0: Thank you, everybody. You may be seated. Well, how do I follow that? <laughs> uh, but it's good to be back with you. Um, my name's Harvey Graham Smith. I am married. Um, my wife, Shirley, love from us both. We have two children. They're both grown up, and they're both married, a son and a daughter. We don't have any grandchildren. We have two grandpuppies. Um <laughs> Our uh, son, who some of you may know of, uh, used to lead worship at Millennial with his wife. They're now living upstairs because they've come home. So Shirley had been praying hard that, <laughs> that he would come back, and he has come back. And um, so she's very happy. Um, so we get to walk the dog, um, which is good exercise. Um, God's good you know, when you're going, I, I like the way it says up there, giving moment, when it came to the offering. Uh, the, I, I'm currently doing a leadership and management diploma. And listening to John Maxwell, who some of you may have heard of, he talks about leadership moments, about not creating those leadership moments, but about Finding the moments that are those God setups and doing leadership in those moments. And the connection to that statement, giving moment, is don't necessarily be going looking for moments to give that you create, as it were, but find the moments that are the God setups that you can give in the middle of it. It doesn't have to be financial, just that smile. Just that hello, just that picking something up for someone, helping someone—that's all giving, and it's extending the love of God. I know that following on from Dr. Rob Sharp last week, and where we all are in strength, and isn't it wonderful to have that resource from Pastor Joel? Where this weekend is week twenty-two. Who doesn't have a copy of Strenson? Everybody got it? Good. Um, I trust you do. If you don't, you can download it online. There is a downloadable PDF on the Life website. And if you're online, you can download it off the Life website as well and follow along with the church family here. But this week, tw- week 22, Communion. A meal to remember. God's not going to forget. I mean, we're remembering God in communion. God is not going to forget us. You know, that opening song that we had, and if God before us, or if God be with us, you could sing those lines thinking, if God, or you could think those things, because of who God is, God is with us, therefore, nothing can be against us. Amen? There is a difference between the two ifs, as it were. One is an if of doubt, and one is an if of faith. Am I making sense? Well, we're believing with the if of faith. Good morning, Ian. Bless you. You know, the worship team were great. And watching the worship team online, I thank God, and I thank God for the audio-visual team, because if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be able to watch online. And everybody who serves in whatever way, it's part of a team. Andre talked about not everything one does necessarily being seen, but because it's part of a team, because it's part of a family, we're all working together. Amen? Amen. And God sees it all. Hebrews 13, Jesus said, I will never leave you, never forsake you, never let you down, never let you go, never loose my grip upon you. Therefore, in every circumstance we go into, God is with us. It is Christ in us, the hope of glory. You may have found yourself in tough situations this last week. You may find yourself in a tough situation in the future. But God is there with you in the middle of it. He's only a call away. He knows what we need before we ask him. But do we ask with the if of doubt? Or do we ask with the if or the because of faith? So when something comes against us, thank you, Father. You already knew this was going to happen. Thank you that you are with me. I thank you that this is going to turn out for good. I thank you for your strengthening, for your help. And I thank you that my steps are led of you. And may you get all of the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And his name is above every other name. A verse when we were, I can't remember what stage it was, but I was that came to mind. Hopefully it was more than just mind. Hopefully it was by the Spirit of God. But Ephesians 3.20. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead is working in each and every one of us. If we really paused and thought about that, then the things that kind of get us down, that are those strongholds in our minds, those thoughts that have become established, those situations that we're going through, that same power that raised Jesus from the dead is working in us and is quickening our mortal bodies. But do we receive it? Do we connect with it? Do we allow it to work? Now we can read this verse. It's now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Now one thing that God challenged me years ago on is, are you thinking about what God can do for you? and your family, and the church family? Are you asking God to do things for you and for the church family in faith, according to his word? Because if we're not asking him, he doesn't have to do very much for it to be exceeding abundantly. So let's take him at his word. Let's ask him for more. Because then he's got to do more for it to be exceeding abundantly. Maybe that was just a personal challenge for me. But if I'm asking according to his word, according to his will, not for things for me, but for his kingdom, his will, to be done here on earth as it is in heaven, he's going to do it and he's going to do exceedingly abundantly. But there is, in the King James particularly, a condition. It's according to the power that worketh in you. Are we letting that power work in us? And as Andre put it, through us. Those giving moments. Peter and John in Acts chapter 3 had a giving moment. They were on their way into the temple, the hour of prayer, their custom. They were going to prayer, they had a habit. The Christian life isn't just one of, ooh and being led by the Spirit of God, but it is, they're called disciples because they were disciplined ones. They had habits. Jesus did things as his custom was. What are our customs? What are our habits? Do we spend time with God? That's between each one of us and God. For some people it's in the morning, for some it's midday, some it's in the evening, some of it's all three. But what habits do we have in place? Not everybody would have been able to or felt comfortable taking communion every day this week. But how many did take communion at least one day this week? Praise God. The, it's good to have a habit. Benny Johnson from Bethel wrote a book called The Power of Communion. Let me read a quote from the start of her book. I haven't really got to my nose yet, but that's okay. In it, she says, The only requirement for you to take communion is that you know Jesus Christ as your personal saviour. Dr. Kanwa mentioned up there in Revelation chapter 5, every one of us are kings and priests. We don't have to have a minister at the front leading us in communion. We can have our own moments of communion. Personally, as a family. When COVID hit... And lockdown, one of the first things we did was take communion and go and anoint our gates, our doorposts, plead the blood over us, over the family, over the property. We intentionally did business with God as a family over communion. Perry Stone calls it the meal that heals. And as we're well taught, we do it in remembrance. This is a meal of remembrance. But it's not just to remember the past. It is to remember the past with a view to going to the future. I think it was interesting that Dr. Kanwa was um, reading from Revelation 5. In a sense... Uh, John was seeing out what was going on in the heavens. Some of that was prophetic. Some of that was now. And some of that was already happened. Jesus had already died. Already shed his blood. Already allowed himself to go to the cross for each and every one of us. And if you're watching or you're in this room and you don't know Jesus, please don't leave before speaking to one of us. Because there is an opportunity. God is waiting. Just like that father of what we call the prodigal son was waiting expectantly, looking for the son. God is looking for each and every one of us. And if you're online, please Email, contact the church. We'd love to hear from you. We'll get you information to help you, pray with you. Because God has good plans for each and every one of us. That's why Jesus came. I am come. That you might have life. John 10 verse 10. And that you might have it more abundantly. To me, John 10.10 is kind of black and white. The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and destroy. So anything that steals, anything that kills, anything that destroys, that's not of God. You may call that simplistic, but works for me. So I'm not going to allow anything that steals, kills, or destroys. Even my own stupidity. Anybody else in here ever done things that you know are not God, but you put my own will on it, as it were, and it steals, it kills, and destroys? But Jesus came that we might have life in abundance to the full till it overflows. So maybe you're in this room and you're just getting by. Well, praise God you're getting by, but that isn't the best that God has for us, because it's in abundance to the full till it overflows, because he has blessed us to be a blessing to others. And Proverbs 10 verse 22, the blessing of the Lord makes truly rich. And adds no sorrow. And in the Amplified it says, neither does toiling increase it. It's not by our own works. And when it comes to communion, we don't make ourselves worthy to take communion. It's very important. Because we can kind of get hung up on those verses in 1 Corinthians 11 that says, Make sure you take it worthily. Well, we don't necessarily feel worthy. Feelings got nothing to do with it. Jesus died for us, paid the price, shed his blood. If we've made him Lord of our lives, if we've asked God to forgive us of the sin of not believing in his son... We're adopted into his family. We're his children. He has made us worthy. Even if you spoke a bad word to your wife this morning. Or your wife spoke a bad word to you. Slightly irritable. You're slightly cross. You, sh- you snapped at the children on the way into church. We're still... Worthy. We can still take communion. Hallelujah. There are times, yes, that we need to ask God to forgive us. But praise God, if we confess our sins, 1 John 1, 9, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There are times that Holy Spirit may prompt us to go to someone And ask them to forgive us for something we've done. But make sure that's the leading of Holy Spirit. I mean, I've had the experience. People have come up and asked me to forgive them for something. I haven't even got the faintest idea what they're talking about. That's between them and God. But sometimes you can go and ask God. You can go and ask someone to forgive you something. They haven't got the faintest idea what you're talking about, but there is now a problem that wasn't there till you went to talk to them. (laughs) And we can forgive others. There are times we have to do business before we can take communion, but more often than not, we're dealing with a feeling that's either from our flesh, from tradition, or from things of the enemy, that is trying to stop us partaking of communion and positioning ourselves to take that communion. Does that make sense to you? Each one of us are precious in God's sight. Do you know what? I have have this simple view. If we're doing it with the right heart, and we're wanting to communicate with God, God's big enough that if we make a little mistake, he's not going to hold that against us. I was brought up High Church of England. Getting Anglican and England mixed together. High Church of England. It was still incense, altar boys, cassocks, some services in Latin, some said services, all of the traditions and everything else. Communion had all of these traditions attached to it. You had to go up, you had to kneel down, you kept your head down, you weren't allowed to look up at the minister, you had to put your right hand upon the left hand, the bread was put into your hand, you had to lick it up, you weren't allowed to chew. What? What? Problems that caused me for years in taking communion. Because communion really is fellowship. Communion, remembering what God has done and having that communion with the Father. Because of everything that Jesus has done for us. And we're proclaiming the Lord's death. And you know, we don't always realize those things that we've taken on board. Those thoughts that we have that hold us back from, as Dr. Rob Sharp said last week, receiving, experiencing, communing with God. Now, we don't come to communion to have a nice, warm, fuzzy feeling. You may get a nice, warm, fuzzy feeling, and praise God when those happen, and you experience his peace, you experience his love, you experience his joy, you receive his healing in the middle of communion? But that's not why we do it. We remember the Lord's death till he comes. And we are proclaiming that death of the Lord. We're proclaiming the gospel. When we're taking communion, we should be receiving the fullness of the gospel of Christ. And that is not just about a restored relationship with God through his son. Salvation is a massive package. It's not just about relationship with God. We look in Psalm 103, it talks about, and it's in strengthen, forgetting not all of his benefits. Yes, he's forgiven us our sins when we've accepted Jesus. But he's healed all of our diseases. Glory to God. And you can read the other benefits in there. He satisfies our mouth with good things. So that our youth is renewed like the eagles. Glory to God. And he executes executes righteousness and judgment. For them that are oppressed. How often. Do we try to struggle. With issues. In our own strength. And finally. When we can do no more. We then go to God. Am I the only one who's ever done that? I remember there was an issue in somewhere where I was working at one time. And I was trying to think, shall I do this? Shall I do that? Shall I do the other? What do I do about this? I'm not going to give you the specifics because we're online. And Shirley says to me, have you thought about praying about it? Um, no. So Shirley and I agreed. We prayed, continued to pray within a week. The person left the job. God sorted the issue out. As I say, I don't, can't go into the specifics of it. It's not appropriate. But God sorted the thing out. Let's take those things to God. Yeah, he has good plans for that person. Um, But let's not deal with those things on our own. He's able to do exceeding abundantly. We have a challenge in churches today. Well, many challenges, but I'm thinking of this one. Who is looking for those moments where you want to have those instants with God in the same way as the man who would beg arms at Acts chapter 3, who I mentioned a moment ago, had an encounter through Peter and John and in an instant was changed and was able to go walking, leaping, and praising God into the temple? We kind of... Yes, press towards that, and that's good. And God does do that. But the majority of time, it's not like that. But we are still looking for those instant moments of change. Yes or no? And they're wonderful when they happen, and they make Glorious testimonies, and we give glory to God for them. But particularly when it involves our thinking, when it involves our way of doing things, it's not an instant moment that switches us from one way to another way. It can happen. Praise God when it does. Don't get me wrong. But more often than not, it's repeated little things that are going to change us from doing things one way to doing them God's way. Now, what's the relevance of that to communion? Dr. Rob Sharp and pastors last week encouraged people where they were able to to take communion every day. Some of you may have taken communion once, twice, three, even more times during the week. And you may or may not have sensed a difference. Doesn't matter whether you sensed it or not, there is a difference. But it's a little bit like children growing up. At the end of a week, you don't necessarily see a difference in a child. But 52 of those weeks, you see a massive difference. You start taking communion and you regularly start remembering the Lord's death till he comes. And you seriously, intentionally do business every day with God. For whatever length of time it is, around that communion table... I tell you at the end of a month, at the end of 12 months, you will not be where you were when you started. And do not get hung up if you miss a day. About th- when, when my son, Timothy, had married Mama, um, who some of you will have seen if you watch the Millennial Stream, she is of Hispanic origin, so she's Sp- Mexican-Spanish speaking. And her parents are Mexican-Spanish speaking. I started learning Spanish on, a, on an app called Duolingo. My Spanish was no different on day one to where it was on day zero. On day seven, I could get to Buenos Dias. Hola! I probably could have done those on day zero. But now, three years further on, I can hold a conversation in Spanish. But I could not see the difference day by day. But it's having the habit, being intentional, Spending that time with God on a daily basis, and I'm not comparing God to a Duolingo app. I'm just trying to give an example of what difference the habit makes. So what habits, what customs have we got? What are we doing on a regular basis that allows us to grow in God? Many of us during COVID were sapped. It was bigger than we could comprehend. Life was upended. It was totally different to what we expected. Kind of lost purpose. The ways we did things were totally different. Even Christians got depressed in the middle of that. Kind of thought, where's God gone? Maybe we didn't admit it, or didn't want to admit it, and if, everybody, if, if pastor had asked you, everything good? Oh, yes, pastor. <laughs> but, it, it, you know, that change in society actually was no different to a bereavement. It was a loss. It was totally different. And I think there are still things that are kind of hanging on to us, from all of that time, disappointments, hurts, senses of loss that we need to shake off. And as Paul puts it, forget those things that are behind and press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling. And one way to do that is around the communion table. Ask Holy Spirit to show you those things. Father, I ask in Jesus' name, would you show me what I'm still holding on to that is holding me back? And I ask you to help me to release that, to let it go. And I thank you for your help in stepping away from this. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2... It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's interesting that presenting our bodies to God, which we can do when we come to communion, is our reasonable or acceptable service. And then in verse 2, it's Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, and then in Romans 12, verse 2, and be ye not conformed to this world, but ye be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. To me, that speaks of kind of the the parallel of the 30, 60, and 100-fold. The good, 30. Do we camp out at the good? The acceptable, the 60. The perfect, the 100. The problem is we can think, oh, this is good. We don't realize that there's even more in God. We put up with little things. There's a... Story that a man who you've heard of, Kenneth Hagen Senior, used to tell of um, a woman at a bus stop, and he was sitting watching, and she was going to take the bus, and the dog was following her, and she was speaking politely to the dog and telling the dog to run on home. But it wasn't till she raised her voice, took her stand of authority and shouted at the dog, that the dog turned and tail, turned and went. And there are times that we put up with those situations, and we talk politely to those situations, even if we talk to them at all. We're to speak to those mountains. Not talk about them, speak to them. You don't have to shout to use your authority, but there is a difference in tone. Our children growing up knew when we were kind of being tolerant of their behavior, even though we might be saying one thing, and the time that we were serious. I certainly knew it with my parents. We all experienced that you knew I've reached the line (laughs) I can't push it any further but we can accept situations we don't have to and I think one of the things is we can ask God when we're at that communion table God what have I been putting up with that I really don't have to put up with that's not your will for my life or not your will for our family's life or not your will for faith life We can do business with God. Harrogate's been mentioned a number of times. I, I, I wanted to open with this thought, but I'm going to say it now. In 1 Samuel chapter 30, there's an account where David and his men come back to Ziklag. And Ziklag has, been, which is where their families were, all their goods were, has been attacked. Things have been stolen, families have been stolen. David encourages himself in the Lord. One thing to do at the communion table is to encourage ourselves in the Lord. Dr. Rob Sharp last week talked about thanksgiving. It's one way of encouraging ourselves in the Lord. Thinking about what God has done. Bring me back to 1 Samuel 30 in a minute, if you would. Remind me about 1 Samuel 30 in a minute, if you would. And I've so forgotten where I was going to make the aside to. Yeah, we have a challenge Maybe you understand it better than I did, but how many of us truly have an understanding of what the Jews celebrate when it comes to Passover? Because that is what Jesus changed at what we call the Last Supper, when he instituted communion. Passover and I know Pastor Joel will say more about this probably in the coming couple of weeks. But Passovers, the the Jews were remembering what happened to them in Egypt. And the death angel passed over because they had put the blood over the lintel and over the side over the sides of the door, and they partook of the meal that God had ordained they should do. And it wasn't just Jews who may have partaken of that meal. There may have been some Egyptians amongst them. That blood availed much. How much more will the blood of Jesus avail for us? And that's what the Jews remembered at Passover. But you think about what they were going through In Egypt at the time, there'd been nine plagues already, and Pharaoh hadn't let them go. The problem, the oppression, being held captive nine times, God had intervened, but they hadn't been let go. And yes, there were murmurings going on. People spoke against Moses. When it came to the Passover, they came out healthy and whole and with goods given to them by the Egyptians. How much more should we have through communion? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you for revelation. Thank you for wisdom. Father, we ask your forgiveness for where we have lived below everything that Jesus has done for us. We thank you for your help, Father, into stepping into everything that Jesus provided for us. That we would walk in that fullness of your goodness towards us. And that we would be a blessing to those around us. That people would see the love of God. That people would be delivered. People set free. People provided for. People encountering you. Making Jesus Lord of their lives. In Jesus' name. Glory to God. But back to 1 Samuel 30. So there at Ziklag, David's encouraged himself in the Lord. And they decide to pursue... And they get to a brook. And some of the group who are pursuing are tired. Don't have the energy to go on. And they leave them at the brook and the rest go on. And they overcome. And they get back their goods. And they get back their people. God gives them the victory. And then when they're going back, they get back to this group that they've left at the brook. You know the account. They get back to the group, and some of the group effectively say, I'm paraphrasing, we've done all the hard work, why should they have any of it? And there's a principle expressed through David. They looked after the stuff. They are as much partakers as the rest of us. Harrogate would not be celebrating a year anniversary if it had not been for those people in this room. You are a part of everything that is going on in Harrogate and through Harrogate and that God will do and the same with Preston. It's abounding to your account. Your work, your prayers, everything. Everything. Is part of what is going on. You may not physically be there, but you are a part of it. You are in partnership, just as they are in partnership with you. Hallelujah. None of us are second rate in God. And I was walking somewhere this morning, there was this lady walking towards me, and it said on her t shirt, perfectly imperfect, perfectly imperfect, I'm not perfect, I think you'd probably admit you're not perfect, (laughs) none of us in this room are perfect, but each one of us are uniquely created by God, we may be being transformed into the image of Christ. Well, we're all being transformed into his image. All of us are on a journey. Some of us are at different stages of that journey. But we are perfectly imperfect if we are blood-brought, blood-washed, blood-bought children of Almighty God. And it's what Jesus did that makes us worthy. To partake of communion. Hallelujah, glory to God. Thank you, Father. Manda labor Adanda. For those of you who have taken communion, have you been conscious of the covenant? I've had the privilege, and there are people in this room who come from Africa. But I've had the privilege of going out to Africa and covenant means much more in Africa than it does here in the UK or in Europe. It's serious business. Therefore, for people from a culture where covenant is a serious business, it's much more readily understandable what God means by making covenant with us. For those of us who historically have families that only originated here, I'm trying to be politically correct. (laughs) Don't, Don't be offended if I've trodden on a toe. But for those of us who have families that historically have only originated from here, we don't have a concept A true understanding of covenant. Oh, I'll make a covenant with you, and a week later we've broken it. That's not covenant. Numbers 23, I think it's verse 19 God is not a man that he should lie. God doesn't lie. It says in Psalms, My covenant will I not break nor alter that which has come out of my mouth. Many of us have had experiences with people who would have labeled themselves Christians, or we may have thought they're Christians, but they've changed their words, they've changed their actions, they've let us down, but God will never let us down. And God will never change. He keeps his covenant. He keeps his word. Hallelujah. Amen. And he's paid the price. Let's turn to Matthew 11. I have been speaking quotes from the Bible. But in Matthew chapter 11. And I want to go to verse twenty eight. I want to encourage you, if you're partaking a communion as an individual, as a family, and there's no or even as a small group or a few families together, and do it as Holy Spirit leads you. But why wait on his nudging? You have a communion meal you can partake of. And if we make it a habit, if daily we're doing it, or if regularly we're doing it and we're gradually being changed, our lives will become different. But if we partake of it at a time that we're not desperately seeking breakthroughs from God, it's going to build something in us That then when the challenge comes, we've got something to draw on. We can get into that presence of God. You think about in the natural. If I only came and talked to Andre every time there's a problem, there really is no relationship for him to be giving me help. Yes? But if I've spent time with him, I've got to know him, he's got to know me. Now when a challenge comes, as brothers together in the Lord, we address this challenge. No different with God. Though it's more about that transforming of my mind and that word transform is metamorpho from which we get the word metamorphosis and the production of a butterfly or the production of a frog is a process that takes a period of time. Just as in taking communion there is a process going on a period of time where our thinking is going to change where we're going to grow in faith, where we're going to grow in that relationship with God, and we're going to be making much of the blood. But here in Matthew chapter 11, it says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. One of the things I think to ask God in the, at the communion table is, Did you ask me to do this? How many of us are doing things that are not God at all? And then we wonder why God isn't helping us in the middle of them. I'm not talking about serving in the church or whatever. I'm talking about our personal lives. Are we doing things that are not God? So we get heavier laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If things are heavy, if things are difficult, ask God for his wisdom. James 1 verse 5. If we don't have sufficient wisdom, I'm paraphrasing from the original meaning, we can ask with full confidence and expectation of receiving from the giving God and we, who does not tell us off and we will receive that wisdom. So if things are difficult, if things are heavy, that's not God. Doesn't mean that the Christian life is one of lightness. There are things that He gives us strength that we go through. Jesus went through things. But if it's permanently heavy, if it doesn't have a peace attached to it, if it doesn't have that knowing I'm in the will of God attached to it, maybe it's something's wrong and we need the wisdom of God to know what to do about it. Communion table is a great time to do it. I believe we're taking communion, yes? So if we could start distributing the en- emblems, I think that is a good place to come to Jesus, to partake, glory to God, together. Thank you. Hallelujah. If you're in this room, and you've made Jesus Lord of your life, Please partake. If you're at home and you're watching, why not take communion either personally or as a family, possibly with us, but most people will not be ready for that. But why not set yourself an appointment when you are going to sit down, shut out all distractions, spend time with God, and take communion with God. If you're, not in, if you're in this room and you don't know Jesus as your personal saviour, you haven't asked God to forgive you of your sins, of your sin of rejecting Jesus. as the only sin that stops us being a child of God. Then why not take the brave step of just putting a hand up just a little bit and we'll pray with you. And if you're applies to you online, then please contact the ministry. If you're in this room and you are a child of God, or you've made a commitment at one time, and to put it into Christian jargonese, you've backslidden, or you're not on fire the way you used to be or you feel as if you're not worthy, though you truly are worthy. And I'm just going to pray a prayer. Join in where you are. Father, you know the state of each of our hearts. You know the state of each of our lives. We rededicate ourselves to you. We thank you that Jesus is Lord of our lives. I ask, Father, in Jesus' name, for fresh breath of Holy Spirit in our lives, fresh fire, that we would go from this place, having had a fresh encounter with you, knowing that we are your children, accepted in Jesus, knowing your love towards us, knowing that you have made us worthy to partake of this covenant meal. I thank you for those wraparound arms of love. I thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you for your touch upon each and every person in this place and online right now. We worship you. Glorify you. We honor you. And we exalt you in Jesus' name. And you know, if you're partaking of communion as a family and your children have made Jesus Lord of their lives they may not have ticked your boxes, my boxes, that they don't understand Jesus in the way we do. But Jesus said, suffer the little children to come to me. If they've done it with their understanding, involve them in communion. Train them up in the way they should go, it says in Proverbs 22:6, And when they're old, they'll not depart from it. There's a promise in there that if you've trained up your children to stand on but involve them in communion. Help them create that habit. And the more we do it individually, partaking of communion, then when we come like this to partake of it corporately, the more God will move amongst us. Because we'll be dwelling together in unity. There the Lord commands the blessing. Hallelujah. You know, there are various sections of Scripture we can turn to, but I'm going to turn to that one that was referred to. It's referred to in Strengthen. It's referred to last week by Dr. Rob Sharp in 1 Corinthians 11. I'm not going to unpack it. Hallelujah. Starting at verse 23. For I received from the Lord Himself that which I passed on to you. It was given to me personally, I'm reading from the Amplified, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was treacherously delivered up, and while his betrayal was in progress, took bread. Let me just add this thought about the children. You ever thought about the disciples? They reckon that John, who Dr. Canwell was quoting from Revelation chapter 5, John wrote, got the revelation of Christ they reckon he was about 15, 16 don't write the youth off involve them John was able to lie on the master's chest had a relationship hallelujah hallelujah Verse 24, and we're about to take the bread. And when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this to call me affectionately to remembrance. Similarly, when the supper was ended, he took the cup also, saying, This cup is the new covenant, ratified and established in my blood, do this as often as you drink it to call me affectionately to remembrance for every time you eat this bread and drink this cup you are representing and signifying and proclaiming the fact of the lord's death until he comes again so then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the lord in a way that's unworthy of him will be guilty of profaning and sinning against the body and blood of the lord Let a man thoroughly examine himself and only when he has done so should he eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discriminating and recognizing with due appreciation that it is Christ's body eats and drinks a sentence, a verdict of judgment upon himself. Oh, we've prayed. We've examined ourselves. We're making much of the blood. We're not coming of anything we've done but because of everything he's done so father we thank you for these emblems now we thank you for jesus i thank you for his body that was broken for us and as we take partake of the bread now we break it and i thank you father for every person in here that they receive fresh revelation. Of what Jesus provided for them, and that we receive those benefits in Jesus name please go ahead and partake of the bread and in like manner after supper he took the cup he said this is my cup the new covenant covenant his blood shed for us So, Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We make much of the blood. And we apply that blood over our lives and over our families' lives. And we partake of this cup now. And we make much of the blood. I thank you our sins are blotted out by that blood. You remember them no more. That they are forgotten. I thank you that we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Father. Just give thanks, quietly or loudly, right wherever you are, your own way. Thank you, Father. We praise you, we worship you, we give you glory.